This is a messianic study of the book of Romans. It's given in a midrashic setting, which is audience participation. It was given during the months of June through August 2008. The discussion leader is John Behrens. He's pastor of Restoration Messianic Fellowship. You can reach our website at www.crimsonthread.com. There you can find this study in its entirety as well as other resources for your messianic study of the scriptures. This discussion has been edited and a number of the comments have been either truncated or removed for clarity and continuity. What's that? 14, uh, 5. 14.5. One person's esteem one day is better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should fully be fully condensed in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. But if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Messiah died and lived again, that, we might, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. All right, days. Paul talks about days in several contexts in several of his letters. In some cases, he talks about pagan holidays. Pagans have holidays too. Here, again, he is not talking about God's appointed times. Passover, first fruits, Shavuot, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot. Those are commanded by God in his Torah. That is not what's being discussed here. There are, however, other days that we observe. We do it in this congregation. We're coming up on um, yeah. yeah, we're coming up on the ninth of Ab, Tishbeab. It's a fast day. Traditions of men, not commanded by God. And if you want to commemorate the destruction of the temple by fasting, God bless you but you are not commanded to do that by God like you are commanded to observe the Passover, not like you are commanded to observe the Sabbath. Okay? So what Paul is saying here is there are lots and lots of days both on the pagan and the Jewish calendars. And in this case, I believe he's talking about the Jewish calendar since he says both of them are observing to God. Okay? And so the, 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 the feasts and fasts in the Jewish calendar that are not the ones commanded by God in the Torah, what Paul is saying is, if you want to do it, do it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. It's no big deal. It's a command of men. And furthermore, don't argue about it. Again, you are not to go in there and try and convince them that Tisha B'Av is just a day like any other day. If you don't want to observe it and you don't want to fast, stay out of their face, go somewhere else and let them fast and then come back after the fast and resume fellowship. Okay? But again, it's real important to understand that he's not talking about the feasts of God here. Did you have something? I was just going to ask if, if this would also be referring to 
when the Lord says, I'll turn your fast days into days of sure. fasting? Sure, sure. These would be the days. Yeah, there, yeah there, are, there are three fast days that are it's the fast of Gedaliah, Tisha B'Av, and... Uh, yeah, there's several fasts, fasts of Esther. And God says that at some point he's going to turn those into feasts. Okay? But again, he doesn't ever say, don't commemorate them. And Paul isn't saying that either. He's simply saying, you Gentiles who have come in out of the wilderness, and you've come in here, Tisha B'Av doesn't mean anything to you. Okay? And the reason it doesn't mean anything to you is you, don't, you are not an ethnic Jew. You didn't go to Babylon. You didn't suffer through the destruction of the temple. You are coming in and you're being grafted into Israel and praise God, but you don't have all the historical stuff that your brothers who have been in this stuff for 1,500 years at this point are carrying with them. So if you don't feel like joining in that stuff, that's fine, but don't get in their face about it. And does it go the other direction, I presume? that you ethnic Jews who feel the pain of your parents, your grandparents, your ancestors going to Babylon, you fast if somebody who's you know, a Gentile coming in doesn't have that feeling, leave them alone. It's not a big deal. God loves him too. Certainly it goes both ways, as you say. I'm emphasizing it in the direction that I'm emphasizing it because of what the Sunday church has become. And what the Sunday church has done has basically done the exact thing that Paul has said here not to do. They are in direct contradiction to what Paul says to do in this case. I, I, I have read commentaries, Christian commentaries, that talk about Jewish fables and talk about you know, the, the, the feast and fast days of the Jews as somehow being superstitious. Very condescending stuff. And Paul is saying, don't do that. And that, in fact, is what the Sunday church has become. Okay? So, I mean, we, we can see why he's writing it simply by looking at the current state of the church. Okay? Verse 10. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God, so then each of us will give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. And now we're talking about stumbling blocks. Remember back in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, what was he talking about? Stumbling blocks. So he's talking about the same thing here. And again, what he's saying is the Jews have got a relationship with God. They are God's servants. You are God's servants. They understand the service of God to be slightly different than you understand it. God will sort that out. You don't need to. Okay, And he will sort out if there is a conflict between you, he'll sort it out. And, you know, if you look at the Inquisition or any of the other things that the church has done to the Jews, that's all directly contrary to what Paul is saying here. Okay? 
And notice that it says in verse 13, Therefore do not pass judgment on one another any longer. What that tells me is that this is being written into a situation where there is strife. So this is not a sort of a general airy-fairy, gentle warning in the sky that just to make sure, no, no. This is written because there is strife in that synagogue or that group of synagogues and that these two groups are at each other over these very things and that's why Paul is writing. And we know that they're at each other over these very things because they are today. And the upshot of it is the synagogue and the church is split. And they split over this kind of stuff. 14. I know and am persuaded in the Lord, Yeshua, that nothing is unclean in itself, but is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, you do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. And again, it's the same argument he's making in Corinthians. And in Corinthians, the subject is food offered to idols. In Romans, it is not so clearly so, but what I'm asserting is it's the same argument over the same subject. Because, same preacher, same argument. Huh? Same preacher, same argument. Same preacher, same argument, same subject. And what I'm saying to you is there's no way that you get lobster tails and pork chops out of this. 16. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Messiah is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. So again, this is all in the context of peace in a mixed theological community. Part Gentile, what we would call Christians today, and part plain old garden variety Jews. And what he's trying to do is promote peace there. And I'm suggesting to you that this particular part of the letter is you Gentiles need not to put stumbling blocks in front of the Jews. In other words, you are standing here and you're talking in tongues and you're doing all that stuff and you're saying, asserting that you've got the Holy Spirit and you are God's, yet you are doing things that are like fingernails on a blackboard to your Jewish brethren. And so what they're going to do is they're going to look at you and they're going to say, there's no way that you are a child of the one true living God because God says you don't do this stuff and you guys are flagrantly violating it. So what you're doing is you are making the gospel of no effect among the Jews by your behavior. Verse 20. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean. But it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. All right, full stop. This is where the good old Greek mindset comes in. Okay? Everything is indeed clean. Well, what does it say in the Torah about pigs and shellfish? Unclean, doesn't it? Most of your translations are unclean. So, Paul is saying here, well, everything is clean. The Torah is saying this, this, that, and the other thing are unclean. You understand? He's using the same terms, and that's important. Because what the Sunday church does is, in its good old Greek mindset, is they say, 
Paul says that everything is now clean. Shazam! I mean, I've had these arguments. That's why it's so important to understand the context. Okay? The context here, I am asserting, is food offered, or meat offered to idols. Everything that is food is clean. Yes. Yes. Yeah, again, it's, it's an unpersuasive argument to the Sunday church, but it's correct that God defines what food is. And Paul would use food in the biblical context, okay, which is, excludes pigs and shellfish and buzzards and all sorts of stuff like that. That would be excluded as, as food in Paul's lexicon. So Paul is speaking correctly and precisely here. The church is not understanding it. Where am I? 22. 22? 22. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whoever does not whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Okay, again, it's going right back to the same argument in Corinthians. You've got brothers who are Christians in the Corinthians situation who look upon food as being offered to, offered to idols as being unclean. They have a weak conscience. And if they eat that, their conscience will be defiled. Okay? And he's saying exactly the same thing here in Romans. Okay? And, and, and one other thing. I, I like the way this is, um, verse 22. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Keep your mouth shut. Notice it does not say, convince your weaker brethren. Paul could not be any more blunt, and he could not be any more direct, and you need help to misunderstand this. 